Welcome back to the Sarpy County Tourism pregame show. Jake Eisenberg with you, getting you set for first pitch between the Omaha Storm Chasers and the Louisville Bats. 6.35 start between Omaha and Louisville tonight, game four of a six-game series. We're now joined by the one and only Rusty Kuntz, who's in town visiting the Omaha Storm Chasers, helping out in the dugout, helping out with some defense, and kind enough to spend a few minutes with us. And we'll start with you know what you're here to do, Rusty, and work with some of these Storm Chasers players on their outfield defense, base running, things like that. What What's it been like the last couple of days, and what do you expect? to do here throughout the week well it's been really windy i know that so oh my goodness uh but we're in omaha you know that kind of thing but um no i'm just here basically to see you know the new players i haven't been around uh the minor leagues for about three or four years now and uh being able to see some of these guys play and do what they do uh on a uh you know, first-hand bases is a whole lot different than watching them on the iPad every night or the television. So, it's they're they're a lot of fun to be around, and and um, I'm happy to be here to help out any way I can. How's that transition been from an on-field coaching role to now a, a roving instructor type of role? Yeah, well, I've I've done it in the past. You know, I, I've I've been doing both my whole career. It seemed like, but I really love doing what I'm doing right now. Uh, being able to go to the minor leagues and and watch guys and and kind of evaluate what they can and can't do and and try to give them a, a few tips on what might help them at the next level, which means uh, at AAA it's going to be in the big leagues, and kind of give them a a little overview of you know what's going to be expected of them and and what we think they can do, and then just turn them loose and let them let them go out there and, and compete and see what they can do. One of the things that you've been doing the last couple of days is working on outfield defense with guys like Nick Prado, MJ Melendez, Clay Dungan, who are primarily infielders and in MJ's case, a catcher. And then, of course, with the outfielders who are actually outfielders to begin with as well. But with Nick, MJ, Clay and whoever else is kind of taking their first steps out there in the outfield, what are the keys to making them comfortable playing a new position? Well, the, the reason why they can uh uh, go out to the outfield is because they're athletic. You know, that's the first thing that they have to have. And, you know, like in MJ Melinda's, uh, in his uh, case, you know, the guy can run. I mean, one of his tools is he's really quick. In, in fact, probably, you know, on the, on the ball club right here, right now, he's probably, you know, in that top three as far as the speed guys go, and he's a catcher. But he, he's not built like a catcher. He's built more like an outfielder, for me anyway. And I'm always in the recruiting stage as far as a uh, coach goes because it, if you're going to be a good coach, you've got to recruit great players. That's been the secret uh, over the years. And, but, uh, no, he's, he's very athletic, and, you know, he can obviously he can catch and throw and do all the things that catchers do. But the one ingredient, or actually the two ingredients that he has that makes him – different than anybody else one is the speed and one is the power in the bat and both of those um they're going to play at the next level as well and then in nick prado's case you know he another athlete you know he's a first baseman really smooth hands uh, uh, a great throwing arm he's got a quick release which plays really well in the outfield and his footwork uh around the bag really transitions great uh, the last couple of times I've seen him in right field, he just moves around like he's been out there forever. And then Clay Dungan, you know, he's he's kind of, in my mind, he's going to be that super utility everything. I can put him in one spot and leave him there for, you know, a few months, 
or I can have the luxury of moving them around to different positions. And I think at the next level, it's really going to help him to get some reps and take some take, take some balls in the outfield. And then if needed be at the big league level, he can say he's done it in the minor leagues and it won't be something new for him at the top. So it, 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 all three of those guys are very athletic to go along with the other three or four that we already have here. So it's, it's a great luxury to have about seven or eight guys that you can stick in the outfield at any given time and be able to elevate to the next level. Way back when you were here over at Rosenblatt Stadium when Alex Gordon was going from playing third base to playing left field and eventually becoming an eight-time gold glover, what was that transition period like for Gordo? What, what sticks out to you about the first time you saw him in left? Well, the, well it, it's kind of funny because when they were going to make the transition, I asked if I could come back and work with him, and they said, sure, do whatever you want to do. So I remember showing up at Rosenblatt for the very first day that we're going to work out in, in, in the outfield. And I walk in about noontime, and I'm kind of walking through the gate. And all of a sudden I hear this, are we going to do this or what? And I look out, and Alex Gordon is already in uniform. And I'm just getting to the ballpark, and he's already stretched and loose and ready to go. And I, I was like, oh, my God, this guy is for real. And I said, okay, well, give me a couple minutes. I'll go in and change my clothes, and I'll come back out. And I'll tell you what, I, I bet we worked an hour and a half, if not two hours, in that first day, and he couldn't get enough of it. And he, but he always thought he was going to be a right fielder. So he made his debut at the big league level in right field because he said, I want to be a right fielder. Okay, all right, Alex. But you're going to be a better left fielder than a right fielder. No, 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 I'm going to be a right fielder. So lo and behold, the first ball hit to him right field. He, he clanked it for an E9. And, it, well, maybe I'll go over to left field. So that's, that was an easy sell after the first error that he made. So it was, it was pretty good. But, no, he was, he was great. He, uh, he worked hard. Nobody was um, – I've never had a, an outfielder in 46 years now. I've never had an outfielder work as hard as he did to become what he did. And a testament to him and, you know, being who he is and, and what he's accomplished and all that kind of stuff, we even made a poster of him. You know, if you want to do what we call power shagging in the outfield, which means we go after the ball like it's game speed – He's the one that created, and he, uh, we want everybody to emulate exactly the way, the way he went about it. And sure enough, guys like uh, you know Hicklin and all these guys that are here, they know who Alex Gordon is, and they know what he accomplished, and they want to do the same thing. So it's made an easy sell as far as getting after it during batting practice and doing your power shagging and playing the ball live off the bat. Chatting here with Rusty Coons, we've got a 635 first pitch between Omaha and Louisville. Now, in, in Gordo's case, he was a third baseman completely transitioning to the outfield. And with MJ and Nick and Clay and you know whoever else, these are guys that are adding versatility to their plates, not necessarily making a full transition. But what's the biggest difference in working with a fielder coming from third base to the outfield, coming from second base to the outfield, first base to the outfield, catcher to the outfield? What are some of the elements that make those conversations a bit different? Well, the one thing I have to get them to understand is that in everything in the infield, especially when you're working with the, the infielders, is that everything in the infield is left and right. It's side to side. Well, everything that we do in the outfield is up and back. So the two things I have to teach an outfielder is how to come in for a ball and how to go back for a ball. And in the infield, you go side to side. So the transition is to get them in a position where they turn their body so they can go straight back or turn their body so they can come straight in because that's where the majority of the balls are hit. 
And um, from a catching standpoint, you really have to have somebody special like MJ to be able to transition from a catcher to an outfielder because you just don't see it every day. And but um, but so we're in the work in progress with that. I haven't really come up with a formula what to do with a catcher to move into the outfield yet, to be honest with you. But he's so athletic that I don't even really worry about it. But that's that's the. The major hurdle to do it all is to get them out of the side-to-side -side and turn them into a front-and-back kind of a, a positioning and going after the baseball, that kind of deal. Because we got to in the outfield, we got to get depth before we get direction. In the infield, you get direction before you get depth. So it's just the, the complete opposite. Now, before you came to Omaha this week, you spent a few days over in Davenport with the Quad Cities River Bandits, had a chance to check out the Royals' high-A team, but your son Kevin is one of the coaches on the Quad City staff, and he's doing outfield and base running and coaching first base. What was it like seeing him as a member of the coaching staff and, and watching him go out there and do his thing? Yeah, it was a pretty proud moment for me anyway. You know, uh, when he was growing up, I was pretty much the entire time I spent in the big league, so... Once you go there for eight months, you're not even a dad, you know, really. And him growing up, uh, I can't remember the last time we had a, celebrated a birthday, that kind because of, his birthday's on May 29th, and that's usually during the middle of the season, that kind of deal. So I was kind of absent as far as when he was in his playing career, and, and that's high school, college, and then in pro ball with the Royals. So I didn't really see a whole lot of those games, but – being able to go to Davenport and drop his stuff off and watch him uh, coach his first game at home in Quad Cities, yeah, that was a really special moment. And my wife got to come, and she got to see him too. So that was pretty cool for us to be able to see him actually become a coach and do something in a game. And, uh, you know, all those years of sitting around the, the table in the wintertime and talking baseball and my wife rolling her eyes like, is this all we're going to do, you know, that kind of a deal. And to watch him uh, develop as a coach, that's, that's pretty special for me, for sure. What's one thing you hope that he learned from watching you as a player and a coach? Well, <laughs> to enjoy it more. You know, I mean, uh, like I told him, I said, if I could go back and start all over again and know what I know, that, that's the whole key. If I know what I know, and that's why I keep telling him, I say, you're going to be a lot better coach than I'll, I'll ever be because you already know a whole lot more than I ever did, one of those kind of deals. But I just keep reminding him every single day, uh, for my coaching career anyway, I never looked at being a baseball coach as a job. It was just something fun to do, and you just happen to draw a paycheck doing it. So of all these years that I've been a coach, I told him, I said, not one day did I ever show up at the ballpark thinking that it was a job. And I told him, I said, there are dog days, and it is a grind because you're, you're working between 12 and 14 hours every single day. And back then, there wasn't too many days off. Now they get every Monday off, which is cool. But I said the 12, 14 days uh, uh, for eight straight months, that, that turns into a grind. But I want you to make sure that every single day that you show up, you take something out of it that was fun. And so he's, so far, he's only been doing it for a week and a half, but so far it's been good for him. 
First pitch at 6.35 tonight between Omaha and Louisville. We're visiting with Rusty Coons here on the Sarpy County Tourism pregame show. Before coaching was, you know, just something fun to do. Playing was something fun to do. And before you made your way into the major leagues, before your time with, you know, a bunch of different teams, but including, you know, a World Series champion Tigers team, you played for Denver. You played for Iowa. You played for a couple of teams at the AAA level that visited Rosenblatt Stadium. What do you remember about those trips to Rosenblatt as a player? The wind. <laughs> so not much has changed yeah, is what you're saying. Not much has changed, exactly. Oh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was um, – the thing that I remember the most is I was always the leadoff hitter on our team. And I remember walking up there the very first time. You couldn't see anything. I mean, the pitcher's coming right out of the uh, sun. You're you're standing in the batter's box in the shade. And that that transition where your eyes are, like, trying to find the ball and the spin and all that kind of stuff. And then I watched those guys in the College World Series hit the ball of the ballpark like it's no big deal. And I was like – why am I having such a t- tough time? And they don't seem to be having that tough time, uh, you know, doing any of it. But I, I remember, and and then a lot of times I had to play right field. And it's probably still, the old Rosenblatt is probably still the toughest right field son to play in all of baseball. And those are the two memories I have. One, it was hard to see at the very beginning of the game. And two, when I had to play right field at times, I couldn't see anything anyway. So whether I was at the plate or in the field, I couldn't see the ball. That's just the way it was. <laughs> Finishing up here with Rusty Coons on the Sarpy County Tourism pregame show. When you look over the course of your baseball career as a player, as, as a coach, as an on-field coach, as a roving instructor, the, the things that stand out to you that bring you joy the most are what? When you see, um, actually when you see and meet the parents of the players. And you're, especially in the Meyer Leagues, when, when they're like an A-ball, double-A, and you meet their parents for the first time, and it's almost like they're handing their son over to you. You know, please take care of my son. Make sure he's a good boy by the time he comes home at the end of all this and do whatever, you know, you think that you need to do as a parent, you know, that kind of deal. And then to be able and, – and the one guy that always stands out for me is Nicky Lopez. And when I got to see him for the first time in Northwest Arkansas, he was a special person, a special guy, and then I got to meet his parents, and now I knew why. His mom and dad are the, the kindest, most gentlest, and, and beautiful people that I've ever met. And they – you know, his mom, you know, please take care of Nikki for me, you know, and his dad, you know, make sure he, you know, does the right stuff and all that kind of stuff. But then I got to watch him in Omaha when he came here, for those, when he was a storm chaser. And then to see him elevate and then go, go to the big leagues with him and be actually be a coach with him last year and, and see him on all three of those levels was special. But to see his mom and dad and the joy in their, their eyes and, and their face and their expressions when they come up and they say, you know, you know, thanks for everything that you've done to get your son here, you know, and make him what, what, but it, it, it's such a proud moment for the, for the family and the parents to say, okay, my son is now a major league baseball player. And the kind of year that Nikki had last year was just phenomenal. And, but just to see the joy on, on the faces of the parents, I think that's the one thing that I remember the most of all this, because you always want your sons to do well. But then when they actually become what you thought they had an opportunity to become and see the joy on the uh, faces of the parents, that's really, really what it's all about for me. Rusty, we'll wrap up with this. I'm going to throw you a curveball. Okay. Tell me about when you learned to ride a bike. 
Well, it's out, of, it's out of necessity now. I got I got such bad legs now. It's like to get to point A and point B, and they won't give me a golf cart. I don't get that part. I, everybody gets a golf cart, and and other than Steve Luber, I'm the oldest guy out there, but yet I don't get a golf cart, so I had to make my own way of transportation, so I learned how to ride a bike. So, <laughs> any, any cuts and scrapes or training oh wheels? God. What you got? Not yet. Not yet. I, I think the first time I fall off and they put – put a helmet on me underneath my hat i'm gonna stop riding the bike and just maybe i'll hitchhike out to you know the <laughs> up to the cloverleaf from field one or something maybe i'll hitchhike and somebody will pick me up in a golf cart hopefully so but i don't get it i don't get why i don't get a golf cart but anyway i'll take the bicycle for right now well we'll we'll start the we'll start the chant now get rusty a <laughs> golf cart thank you so much for the time great to see you here in omaha and we hope to see you again soon thank you so much this has been fun We'll be right back on the Sarby County Tours and pregame show. Starting lineups are next, and then first pitch between Omaha and Louisville right here on 1180 The Zone.